0: Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. Hi, family. Welcome to Church Online. Thank you for joining us again today. And also for those who may be at a watch party, thank you for being with us. We are so thrilled that we will be reopening on the 28th of March. That is next week, Sunday. We will be back in-person services. I want to encourage you to really consider to come and be with us. There's nothing as in-person worship. When we do church online, it's great, but it's not the same to do worship together in one place. We understand that there's uh, some people who will not be able to come for good reasons. Let me repeat, for good reasons. If you are not coming because of convenience or because of fear, I will ask you to reconsider because we're doing everything necessary to make sure that it is safe to come to in-person fellowship. So we look forward to seeing you next week. I also want to mention that we will be having uh, Kids Church running at our all four services. The services times have changed slightly so that we can be able to allow uh, for COVID regulations and change over between the services. So please join us next week. Family, I would like to take this moment to update you on the Ntando situation. As I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, what had happened with Ntando and how he had sexually misconducted himself and mishandled other people. Three weeks back, I just came and met with him, and uh, he told me that he'd been at a psychiatric hospital for about three weeks. I cannot reveal uh, the diagnosis here online. He will continue to see a psychologist and receive ministry. I've also met with all the victims except two at this point, our hearts goes all out to them and we continue to pray for them as they go on the journey of healing. There are a number of things that we are putting into place in order to avoid a situation like this from happening again. And I believe by God's grace, it will not happen again. One of the things that we've put in place is an email address on our website where any member of the church can write a query or a concern about any of the leaders, including myself, any of our connect group leaders, or any of our staff members, or any of our church members. You can be able to send an email, and we can address the matter accordingly. With that in mind, we continue to trust God to use us to transform the city of Johannesburg, to use us to honor Him, to make disciples, and Transform nations. Please diarize our AGM that is coming on the 30th of March from 7 p.m. It will be on Zoom. You can be able to get the details on our website. Note that the AGM is not just to share the AFS and your financial statements, but it's also to share testimonies of what's happening in other Every Nation churches in Johannesburg. We also continue to pray for our campuses, knowing that the university campuses are going through serious challenges at this time, and we trust that God will give solutions to the problems that we are facing. On the nation-building front, I'm excited that we have been involved with a project called Electoral Reform, where independent candidates can be able to stand for politics and for positions of influence in our country, South Africa. And on the 29th to the 30th of March, there is a candidates training for Christians, strong men and women who have a call into ministry. If you want to be part of this training, it will be happening in Cape Town, but you can also be able to join online. So you can contact us or get in touch with the email that will be on the screen. We are now in week six of our sermon series called The Year of Yes. Camping on the book of Philippians, and I hope that you have been challenged. You've been blessed as you've been reading the book of Philippians. Our topic today is a liberated life, a life that is set free. The Bible says, he who the son sets free, is free indeed. If we have been freed by Jesus, our Lord and Savior, we are free indeed. Therefore, let us live lives of liberation. Let us live lives of freedom. The Bible also says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. If you have the Spirit of God in you, if you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you ought to live in freedom and you ought to experience the freedom of God. You can still have joy despite all that we are facing, despite all that we are going through. All you have to do is to say yes to Jesus, yes to the Lord, yes to the life of freedom. A liberated life is not bound by past failure. A liberated life is not bound by present status. A liberated life is not bound by success. But a liberated life is bound by Jesus Christ and being found in Jesus Christ to know Him and to make Him known. Another way of putting it is a liberated life is not defined by past failures. It is not defined by present status. It is not defined by future success. If you leave a liberated life, you can be able to live and put the past behind and live a liberated life. Apostle Paul is a great example of a man who lived a liberated life. And we're going to read in uh, chapter 3 of Philippians from verse 1 to 16. We're going to take time to unpack this few verses of Scripture where Paul speaks about righteousness that comes through faith. In Christ Jesus, the freedom that comes through faith in Christ Jesus. Let's read from verse 1. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is not trouble to me, and it's safe for you. Look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh, for we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, As to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever was gain, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered loss of all things and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, that by any possible means I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Now, Paul speaks about straining towards the goal in verse 12. Not that I have already obtained or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if any of you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Let us hold truth to what we have attained. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. So friends, from this text that we've read, we have our centering uh, verse for this week that we encourage you to memorize, to live it, to obey it. Paul writes in verse 7, But whatever gain I had, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. Whatever gain I had, I count as loss. I count as rubbish for the sake of knowing Christ. You can see what was important to Apostle Paul. So three things I want us to talk about today. A liberated life is not bound, is not defined by past failures, it's not defined by present success, and it's not defined by future success. So let's start looking at a liberated life that is not defined by past failures or even accolades. Paul did not allow past failures or past accolades to define him. We read in verse 1 of chapter 3 how Paul starts by saying, rejoice in the Lord. There's a theme in this uh, scripture or in the verses that we've read and in the entire book of Ephesians. And the theme is joy joy. In the Lord. Paul starts this chapter by saying, Rejoice in the Lord. And then he says that to write the same things to you is of no trouble to me because it is safe for you. When you read it in the NLT, Paul is simply saying, I'm okay repeating myself because it is for your benefit. It is a safeguard for you. So there'll be times where we preach and we repeat the same thing over and over again. It is a safeguard. To you. It is a safeguard to us to hone in on these very important biblical principles that the Bible teaches. Not that we should just know them, but we should live them. He goes on to speak about false teachers and false prophets. Apostle Paul doesn't mean his words. He says, Those people who take advantage of God's people for personal gain, they pretend to do the work of God while deceiving the people of God, concealing and misinterpreting. The truth. He uses strong words like look out for the dogs. I mean, if I were just to say this, I, I don't know about your culture, but where I come from, to call someone a dog, when you say someone, I mean, it's really, really bad. That person must be very bad. Incipate is even stronger. Paul says, look out for the dogs. Paul was simply saying, those who misinterpret the truth, those who Uh, manipulate the truth. Those who use the truth for their own personal gains, they are bad. He continues to say that they are evildoers. They mutilate the flesh. They inflict pain on themselves and those who follow them for their own selfish gains. We know in our country, South Africa and other parts of the world, there has been false teachers, unfortunately, who have led people astray and who have made people do some very bad things things that are really, really terrible. Bible says, watch out for those people. Watch out for the people who mutilate the flesh, who, put, who inflict themselves for no reason to try and get God's attention. That's not how you get God's attention. And Apostle Paul then goes on to say that we do not put any confidence in the flesh or the things of this world. Even though I can put confidence in who I am, I choose not to. This is what Paul says. He chooses not to use his accolades or his achievement, even his past failures to define who he is. Let's look at some of the things that Paul says in this text. He says, "A Hebrew of Hebrews, circumcised on the eighth day, many a people boast about their tribal heritage, about their background, about their ancestry or pedigree. But I want you to be careful that you don't boast about the things of this world. Paul says, no, as the children of God, may we boast about only our identity in Christ. May we not boast about the things of this world. May we only boast about the Lord. In First 1 Corinthians one thirty-one, the Bible says, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Like Prince Harry, some may have to give up their royal status. That's a topic for another day. Paul continues to say, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to the law, I can add this to my CV. I was a Pharisee. A Pharisee is those people who demand strictest obedience of the Jewish law. Those who follow the rules and tick box, tick box, tick box. We know of many people who are very religious, uh, who will follow strict religious sect. People who will uh, even uh, follow certain religions that are very, very strict. But the fruit of their lives does not reflect Christ. The question for us today is, uh, what kind of Christian are you? Are you the kind of Christian who's just ticking the box, following the rules? Or are you the kind of Christian who reflect Christ through your speech, through your conduct, through all that you say and do? Let's bring it close to home. Are you reflecting Christ in what you post on Twitter, what you post on Facebook, what you post on your Instagram, even your WhatsApp status? How are you reflecting Christ? How are you honoring God through your life? Paul says, let us not be like those Pharisees who pretend that everything is good outside, but on the inside, things are not good. As to zeal or passion, he says, I persecuted the church. Now, he speaks about his failures. He speaks about the bad things that he has done. And he says, we know of people who are very passionate about what they do, even when it's wrong things that they do. Paul says, no to all these things. He says, I recognize my past failures. I recognize the things that I, I allowed myself to do. And I don't allow those things to define me. So I want to speak to you today. Do not allow your accolades or your past failures to define you or to keep you in bondage, to imprison you. You are free in Jesus Christ. Salvation is not be- behavioral change. Salvation is a transformation of the heart. When we speak about the fact that we are saved We realize where we come from and where we are today and we live lives that are pleasing God. We live lives that shows that our lives have been transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. May we not be those Christians who change just the external behavior, but our hearts are far from God. If I was defined by my past failures, I will not be standing here today. I will not be preaching the gospel, but I choose not to be defined by my past failures. If I think about my life before Christ and what a mess my life was before Christ, sometimes when I share with my kids, they go like this You, dad? You, dad? I mean, a pastor, no hal. Guess what? I use my past failures to help them not to repeat the same mistakes that I fell into. Let us not be defined. By our past failure. A liberated life is not defined by past failures. It is not defined by the present status. Let's go there. It is not defined by the present status. That's the second thing I want us to look at today. Whether good or bad, Paul did not hold on to his status to define him. Let's read verse 7 to verse 11. But whatever gain I had, look at the use of words here. Whatever gain I had, I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Whatever accolades I have, whatever privilege I have, whatever status I have, I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. I count everything as loss because of the surpassing knowledge of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. The surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. He was driven with this one thing. I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection. Paul continues to say, for his sake, for Christ's sake, I've suffered loss. That word comes out again. I've suffered loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain, I may gain Christ. I lose earthly things so that I can gain Christ. And be found in Him. Not having a righteousness of my own. Not having a righteousness that comes through the law. Or through the accolades that I have. The tick boxes. But a righteousness that comes through faith in Christ Jesus. By believing in Christ Jesus. By accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. He makes you right with God. That's righteousness. Right standing with God. And Paul concludes by saying that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. And that I may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any possible means I may attain the resurrection of the dead. So Paul is saying, I do all this for this one goal, not current status, but to know Christ and to make him known. St. Augustine, in his city of God, he defines virtue as rightly ordered love. The right ordering of love was a running theme for St. Augustine, for his life and his writings. And I want to give you this quote from one of his writings of what he means by a rightly ordered love, a love or a life that is not defined by present status. He goes on to say, By living a just and holy life requires one to be capable of an objective and impartial evaluation of things. To love things, that is to say, in the right order so that you do not love what is not to be loved. You do not love what is not to be loved. Or fail to love what is to be loved. Or have a greater love for what should be loved less. Or even an equal love for the things that should be loved less or more. Or a lesser or greater love for things that should be loved equally. St. Augustine is challenging us to say, A right-ordered love is a love that knows things that should be loved and things that should not be loved. A rightly ordered love is a love that knows things that should be loved more and things that should be loved less. So I I believe that some of us, we've allowed our current privileges, our current statuses to actually define how we order love and how we love. Let us rethink how we love and rightly order our love. It is the same as a friend of mine saying, our affection, our greatest contention. Our affection, our greatest contention. So what he's simply saying, St. Augustine, is to say to us, let us be careful that we don't love the things we should not love. Let us be careful that we don't love the things of this world that will vanish, that we're going to live here on earth. Let us be careful that our present status, our current circumstances does not lead us to a disordered love Or disordered life. You may have heard this. Some people live their lives to climb the corporate ladder, and when they get to the top, they found that they climbed a wrong ladder. Even worse, they have lost their families, they have lost their loved ones, they have lost their friendships while they were climbing this corporate ladder. Going back to the whole theme about dogs, I'm reminded that uh, in our country, South Africa, uh, there the, are the certain places where you will be driving and you'll find a dog sitting on the front of a car, of a vehicle, of a van, but black people sitting at the back of the vehicle. Yes, that used to happen in apartheid, but it still happens today, which speaks to us about incorrectly ordering our love. What we should be loving less, we love more. Lord, help us. We love and idolize our careers. We love them more than we love people. Lord, help us. We love our cars more than we love people. Lord, help us. We love our shoes more than we love people. We need to rightly order our love. A liberated life is not defined by past failures, by present status, or future success. My last point is this, a liberated life is not defined by future success. Paul did not allow earthly success or whatever success that he could gain to become his obsession. Listen to what was driving Paul from verse 12, straining towards the goal. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Christ Jesus has made me his own. Recently, we had um, Pastor Annie Kruger, who used to be a leader in this church and is currently serving uh, in, in Texas in America. And he was sharing with us about the importance of prioritizing people, the importance of knowing that we belong to Christ. And therefore, we want to know him and make him known. And he spoke to us about there are Christians who claim Christ. They claim to be Christians, but has Christ claimed you? Can Christ claim you? Can Christ say, you are mine? Like Paul says, because Christ has made me his own. Does Christ say, you are mine when he looks at you and when he looks at your life? Paul continues to say, brothers, I do not consider that I've already made it my own. But this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on to the goal for the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press on to the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. Paul exhorts us to forget the past failures and to focus on the future that is in Christ. Someone said time spent fixing the past mistakes take time away from building the future. Time spent fixing past mistakes. It's taking time away from building the future. So be careful that you do not dwell in the past. As the Bible says, forget the former things. See, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? As I was praying for this uh, message today, I felt to say for some of you, God is doing a new thing in your life. Will you not perceive it? God is calling you to an upward call. Will you not perceive it? God is uh, calling you out from whatever has been bounding you, from whatever has been keeping you down. He's calling you to an upward call. Do you not perceive the new thing that he's doing? Paul takes it one step further and he says, he's not straining for earthly success. He's straining for the goal, the price of the upward call of God. Paul is obsessed not necessarily by the success of this world, but by the call of God on his life. One of the big challenges we face in the world today is the idolization of success and wealth and not prioritizing the call of God over our lives and the upward call. We need to have a good theology on wealth, the Lord does not want us to be pure, poor, that we know very well. He wants us to be blessed and be a blessing. He wants to bless us so we can be a blessing. The problem is our motives. Our motives is we want wealth for ourselves, not to be a blessing. I mean, it's clearly stated in Deuteronomy eight eighteen. But remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. So as to conform or confirm his covenant, which he saw to your ancestors as it is today. God gives us the ability to produce wealth so that he can confirm his covenant, so that he can confirm his kingdom here on earth. So their ability to produce wealth is given for the sake of the kingdom. Let us not be bound by success. Let us not be bound by riches. Let us not be bound by wealth for our own benefit, but for the sake of the kingdom. The secret to wealth, it is here in Matthew six thirty three. the Bible says, do not worry uh, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And our heavenly father knows that we need them, but seek first the kingdom And his righteousness. Seek first his kingdom. And his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Our motive should be to seek first. The kingdom of God. Our motive should be. Whatever God gives us. Is for the sake of the kingdom. I like how Dorian Wrigley puts it. um, Talking about this topic of wealth. He says. Our motive should be to build God's kingdom. And wealth will follow. Focusing on the kingdom is more than just giving to the kingdom. Focusing on the kingdom is more than just giving to the kingdom. Most people, they want to make money and say, yes, we want to give to the kingdom. But are we clear about how does it look like to focus on the kingdom? I'm excited to tell you that in April, we're going to do a sermon series called kingdom come, to give us a clear understanding and a clear theology of the gospel of the kingdom, how we can focus on the kingdom of God and all these things and all this wealth and all these riches will be added to us. Scripture says those who are rich will find it difficult to enter the kingdom of God. So if you are rich and you're not clear about the pebbles for your wealth, you're going to struggle with self-sufficiency a lot of people who are rich, they struggle with acknowledging God as their Lord. It is also what the Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. Nothing wrong with money. It is the love of money that is the root of all evil. There is a lot of obsession for wealth and success in our world today. And I want to give you a few examples uh, of people who are successful and how We sometimes blindly follow them. And again, I want to say nothing wrong with wealth. The question is, what is our motive for having wealth? Let us not be bound by success or wealth. Let us be free. Elon Musk is one of the richest men in the world today. And because he's of South African descent, we know that a lot of South Africans are saying, man, I can also be a dollar billionaire. I can also reach that level of wealth. The question is, what is your motivation? Do not be imprisoned by wealth. Yes, it is good to be wealthy, but do not be imprisoned by wealth. A story that really touched me, uh, and I'm disclosing my age now, Uh, not that uh, I'm a big rock music fan, Freddie Mercury, lead singer of the rock group called The Queen, passed away in the early 90s. This is something that is said of him. In one of his last songs, he asked the question, does anybody know what we are living for? Does anybody know what we are living for? In spite of the fact that he had amassed a huge fortune and had attracted thousands of fans, Freddie Mercury admitted in an interview shortly before his death in 1991 that he was desperately lonely. He said... He can have everything in the world and still be the loneliest man. And that is the most bitter type of loneliness. Success has brought me world idolization and millions of pounds, but it's prevented me from having the one thing we all need, a loving, ongoing relationship, a loving, ongoing relationship. We know that loving, ongoing relationship comes from one place. That is Christ Jesus there's only one relationship that is completely loving and ongoing, which we are created for. Without that relationship, there will always be a deep sense of aloneness and a lack of ultimate meaning and purpose. At the heart of Christian faith is a relationship with God where we find what we are living for. Jesus is what we're living for. Steve Jobs' last words we know Steve Jobs, the founder of Apple. He says, I reached the pinnacle of success in the business world. In other eyes, my life was an epitome of success. However, aside from work, I have little joy. In the end, wealth is only effect of life that I'm accustomed to. God gave us senses to let us feel the love in everyone's heart, not the illusions brought about by wealth. The wealth I have won in my life, I cannot bring with me. What I can bring is only the memories precipitated by love. That's the true riches which will follow you, accompany you, giving you strength and light to go on. What is the most expensive bed in the world, he says, the sick bed. You can employ someone to drive the car for you, make money for you, but you cannot have someone to bear the sickness for you. Material things lost can be found, but there's one thing that can never be found when it is lost, that is your life. Treasure, love for your family, love for your spouse, love for your friends, treat yourself well and cherish others. That very life that is speaking about, we know that it's found in one place, it is in Jesus Christ. The Bible says it is said for a man to gain the whole world, but lose his soul, lose his life. May we not be bound by past failures. May we not be bound or defined by present success. May we not be bound by future success. As we pray today, I want us to pray for freedom that God will set us free from previous failures. That God will set us free from our current statuses. God will set us free from the success that we can so easily be bound by. John eight thirty two. the Bible says, Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Verse 36 says, If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Daddy God, I pray that we will be set free by the truth of your gospel. Daddy, I pray for each and every person that is listening here, whether at home or at the watch party, that Father, we will be set free, God. Lord, I pray at this moment, as we come to this place of uh, worship, to this place of uh, hearing your word, may we be challenged to be transformed by your word and not to live in the past and not to be bound by our past failures or our past accolades. I pray that, God, You will set us free, Father, set us free from the things of this world. Set us free, Lord God, to the things that so easily entangle us, Father God. Set us free from the things that gives us happiness when we can actually get true joy from You, O Lord. Set us free from idolizing success and idolizing wealth and riches. May we be like Apostle Paul who says, I count everything but loss for the sake of knowing Christ and be found in Him. Daddy God, I pray that each and every person listening to this word today will seek You first. Seek Your kingdom first and all these things will be added to them. All the things that we need will be added to us when we seek You first. Father, I pray for true freedom to come today. Friends, as we are in this moment of prayer, if you know Yourself that you've been bound by any of these things that I've been speaking about. I want to raise your hand wherever you are. Maybe you're at home. Maybe you're watching at a watch party. Just to say, I want freedom. I want freedom. By raising your hand, you're not raising it to man. You're not raising it to me. You're raising it to God. And I want to pray for you. Raise your hand wherever you are. You may be bound by past failures. You may be bound by your current status. You may be bound by success. You may be bound by whatever it may be and you want freedom, I want to pray for you today. Lord, I pray for all these people who have raised their hands. Lord, you see their hands, and I pray that you will set them free, Lord. Set them free. Set them free, Lord God, once and for all, that they will live a liberated life. They will live lives of freedom in Jesus Christ's name. Lord, I pray that, God, they will also seek help where they may need to get help to live lives of freedom. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.